Hey, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com. Welcome back to the show. Grateful for this opportunity. Grateful to finish up a wonderful conversation that I had with Bradley Ballard called Strangers for Christ. And I want to jump right back into it, so follow me there as we consider this great conversation on Strangers for Christ. That's a beautiful scripture, being far off and brought near. I love the language. We're not strangers from Christ. He's the one that brings us near. So just emphasizing that point again, you can't be saved without Christ being near in your life on a daily basis. Now, you also have John 10 written down in your notes on this concept that we're not to be strangers from Christ. So uh, what can we glean from John 10? Well, in John 10, there's another great image or picture, and uh, that's of a shepherd. And uh, Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. And he goes through, you know, we can read it. He, he says it multiple times. But not only is he the good shepherd, but he's the door of the sheepfold. Mm-hmm. And he says, all right. those who are mine are going to be in that sheepfold. Mm-hmm. And um, again, there's this idea of inside and outside. And on the inside, there's protection and security and warmth and love. But on the outside, there's everything else. Right. That's where the wolves are. And not just the wolves. You know, we think of that that uh, that predator-prey idea with the devil walking about as a roaring lion and the predator-prey concept of sheep and wolves. But uh, he also talks about how those who try to come in another way besides through the door, they're all thieves and robbers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we hear people try to explain maybe through their own knowledge or through something they think they've gained uh, that is beyond or above what the Bible says, you know, that there are other ways that we can right. come to be one with Christ or come to know Christ or, or something like that. But the Bible makes it very clear, and Jesus himself says, that if someone is telling you something besides what I've given you, right. they're a thief or a robber. And those are not honest professions. <laughs> those are not honest people. <laughs> and so Hollywood might disagree with you on yeah. that, but uh, I get what you're saying. So anyway, these, you know, we want to be on the inside. And if we're going to be on the inside, we have to get there through Christ, who is the door, if we're going to enjoy his protection. And in a very in a very real way, uh, Paul had to go through with some churches what you've just described. People coming, trying to proclaim Christ, but not coming through Christ, through his gospel, through the word. I just want to share this scripture going along with it. It's from Galatians chapter 1, mm. uh, verse 6 says, Not long ago God called you through his gracious love, which came, how? Through Christ. But now I am surprised at you people. You are already turning away toward a different gospel. There's actually no other true gospel. However, some people are disturbing you and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. So he just plays this out. If we ourselves, or even an angel from heaven, tell you a different gospel than the true gospel that we told you, then we should be condemned. He, he He's pretty clear about uh, those who come in any other way besides through Christ Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't listen. Mm -hmm. Well, Bradley, um, this, the third point in your study is probably, I like how you've been building. You've emphasized that we are strangers. We've emphasized that we're strangers in Christ. But I think a natural question that people are going to be asking is, well, I need some practical ways that I, I can be a stranger. You know, how am I supposed to be this 
peculiar person, a holy nation, set apart, etc. What can I do to improve myself mm-hmm. in those ways? So uh, what would you say to these people? Well, I don't know that you could make an exhaustive list. <laughs> uh, Read the entire New Testament. <laughs> yeah. Put it in bullet points. Right. Um, but what I tried to do in... in what I tried to do in preparing this was just think of some of the ways that I've seen it happen and, uh, you know, think of how those could be done by others and uh, ways that I could con- con- continue to grow myself and make myself c- peculiar. Initially, I wrote down 10 things, but these are just some of them. Okay. Uh, one of them is demonstrating genuine generosity. Um, and, this has varied effectiveness, I think, on, depending on where you are. Right. Because in some places around the world, and I'm struck in, in Korea, for example, how generous they are in so many ways. It is an expectation. It's something that's built in and programmed into many of their um, traditional families, households, the culture there is very generous. Right. And if you're a guest, it is their job to take care of you. And it would be more embarrassing for them uh it, or I guess one of the biggest things they can do to embarrass and shame themselves is not to be a good host to you and take care of you. And we've been the beneficiaries of that, you know, just countless times. But there are other places in the world where generosity and giving and caring for others is not so, um, is not necessarily a part of their culture. Right. And, and so I think about where we live today, you know, in the U.S., um, it's very me-centric. You know, I had mm-hmm. to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's counter to anything that's right. I mean, the Bible says that we have to care for our own and right, take care of ourselves. Our own burdens. Absolutely. But we also have to give. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that Christ demonstrated above all else was giving. Right. And so when we demonstrate generosity to those around us, uh, that is recognized as a good quality that in some places will be more peculiar than in others. But regardless, it shines Christ. And so, again, since it's not just about being different, but being like Christ... It doesn't matter how strange you are. It's about being like Christ. And so I think generosity is one way that uh, you can really uh, be, make yourself peculiar to the world. You know, it'll be confusing and surprising to some when you do give, you know, when you open up your home even or things like that. People will be caught off guard at first and almost look at you like, wait, what what are you trying to get out of this? (laughs) Right. But uh, you're just trying to give and just trying to share. And so I think that is a way that you can shine. What's the... The people in the parable of the Good Samaritan, mm. uh, I've heard it said they represent three different types of generosity. The If you're familiar with that, when the, the man is beaten and left for dead, the robbers come by, and their philosophy on generosity is what's yours is mine. Mm-hmm. And the priest and the Levite's perspective on generosity is what's mine is mine. Mm-hmm. And the Samaritan's perspective is what's mine is yours. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is the representative of a peculiar person, a stranger in a land where people really, what's mine is mine, I've worked for it. You know, it's not wrong for me to have it because I work for it. Well, suddenly you're standing out like a candle in the darkness when you're sharing your goods with people who maybe they do or don't deserve it. Yeah. Okay, so other than generosity and and a generous spirit, how can I uh, work on being a stranger for Christ? Another thing I think that is very clearly different from what the world expects of us as people uh, is similar to the concept of generosity. But, you know, generosity, usually we think about uh, our things and our money that we're giving. 
and maybe time. But another way that I think we can show a similar difference is by sacrificing our will for our brothers and sisters. And I, hmm. I, that, that's a little more specific, perhaps, way of saying the same thing. But um, not only do we give our things, a lot of times giving our, our money or our things is an easy thing. Right. You know, for some people, there's just they are, are generous by nature. Um, but there's a distinction, I think, whenever you want something or even when you think something is right or best. But for the sake of someone's conscience, for the sake of someone's you know needs, um, you relent and you allow it to go that direction. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean to say that we should relent when it comes to matters of, of truth right. Or, right. Or, or anything like that. But my point is simply that there are times that I think there's a better way to do something. But in the end, it doesn't matter what I want. It a matter, you know, it matters that I'm demonstrating, you know, loving spirit to others, and by by giving in and letting someone else have their way, or doing something someone's way, mm-hmm. I think is a another mark of, or is another way that we can show that we're peculiar and different from the world. Well, I'm reminded in First Timothy three, one of the ways that. Uh, somebody who could be an elder in the church is identifiable is that they're willing to yield. Mm-hmm. That's a characteristic that's, uh, it's also a characteristic of, of heavenly wisdom in James. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, the, the ability to be willing to yield. So that's good. Another one that I've gotten to see, another thing that I've tried to do that I've been honestly surprised that it's seemed so different to people is uh, having your Bible with you and just reading from it or studying from it. Right. And in particular, going to it when you have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my colleagues, for example, um, I, I think all three of my colleagues are from different religious backgrounds and are, are very different in some of their convictions. One of my colleagues, for instance, we've had some really great discussions about uh, some, some matters of conviction and different things. And when she's asked her question, uh, I've just simply opened my Bible and told her what I believe the Bible says about it. And uh, there's been a couple of times that our discussion has gotten halted a little bit because she is so struck by the fact that someone would do that. Hmm. It's so peculiar to her. Really? And um, she knows the reason we came. She knows that we came, you know, for the purpose of sharing the gospel with people. But even at that, it's almost as if she expected... Uh, us to go about it a different way right. or to use some kind of uh, theological degree or, you know, what I've learned. Right. When all we're doing is trying to teach what, what God's word says mm-hmm. and share what God's word says. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, when you say you're a Christian and you just simply go to God's word for an answer, even that is peculiar and strange to people. Well, give me another one. Uh, I'm working on my, my strangeness, my weirdness. You're doing a great job. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, one of them is recognizing and having a resolve that there is real, absolute truth. Right. That is becoming more and more uh, peculiar in our world. That's a good one. Explain it to me. Well, we see it today. People, you know, we hear about it today where people will refer to their truth. Right. Um, and they will refer maybe to their experience or their feelings. But uh, there are certain ways in which your experience, your feelings have no bearing on the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. And e- people will even question that. People will even look to history sometimes and say, well, did that really happen? And sure, someone could have 
record a historian could have recorded something incorrectly or right. uh, lies could have been made um, or lies could have been told but when it comes to history when it comes to matters of science mm-hmm. um, and and various things you know who we are um, there is absolute and real truth right. but some people won't accept that and so when you rather than exercise your prerogative not to believe truth, when you say, well, this is the truth, and so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm bound by that mm-hmm. truth, whenever you relent in those areas, that is a peculiar thing to many people these days. When you, ca- when you call out sin as sin just by your lifestyle, not by you, you know, with a loudspeaker, but by not participating in something or by uh, not assenting or agreeing to something, darkness does not comprehend the light. It mm-hmm. will not stay in fellowship with it. So that's a great point. I, you know, I hadn't thought about that as far as being a stranger for Christ, but uh, having a mindset that truth is absolute, man, that is getting more and more peculiar. Mm-hmm. And this one is related to that one, but I was struck by how strange and peculiar it was to people when we said, you know, we were having our study about creation and the beginning and saying that, you know, the world is Somewhere in the range of six to ten thousand years. I mean, people have differing theories on it, right? Um, and I don't guess we can know for sure, but it's no older than ten thousand years. Um, when you state that to people with a straight face, and when you tell them that's really what you believe, that is an incredibly hard thing for many people to, to accept and to swallow. You're turned into a caricature. You're a, you're a young earther. Yeah, you're no longer yeah. Bradley Ballard. You're a young earther. That's right, and uh, you know our time that we're focusing right now, right now our time is not being focused on that issue. But, um, you know, when you get into talking about those points, many people want to make it about science versus faith. And what I want to try to verbalize very carefully and very clearly is that science is the study of real things Mm -hmm. that can be observed, that can be tested. And whenever people go outside of that, whether it's their ideas of what they think the truth or what they right. think the evidence is saying, those ideas are not science. Mm-hmm. Even if they're held by a scientist, right. that's not science and that's faith. And so it is about science and faith, but we have to recognize that the scientists <laughs> and the people who are holding to ideals outside of the, the materialistic scientific realm, they are in fact living by faith. Right. And so we have to call it what it is. And I absolutely, I absolutely will say that I lean on my faith and my religion, but all of those go right along with what the real scientific evidence Mm -hmm. says. And like I said, that's another discussion, but um, that is increasingly peculiar to people today. I'm wondering if um, in your list, if I can look for some specific things here. I'm a father of young children who are now starting to recognize a strangeness just on the very basic levels, right? So I have, uh, at this point in my life, a almost nine-year-old son and seven- and five-year-old girls. Um, how can these little ones accept the strangeness of the Christian life, see the peculiarity of it, um, practice the peculiarity of it? When they come home from school, you know, and they're being around the world in ways that maybe they hadn't whenever they were itty-bitties. How can we encourage them? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are, even though I didn't have these in mind for little ones, 
Um, I think they go right along with what you're saying and what you're asking about children. Um, but one thing I think that is really peculiar nowadays, especially in the country we live in, um, is recognizing the difference in responsibility and liability. Okay. Help me understand that. Responsibility means that you have a duty and it's your job, um, whether by nature of who you are or your occupation for something. Right, your character. You are, yeah. You are bound to a certain response, you know, a certain duty. Okay. And when you're bound to that, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. But what liability says is, yes, this is my duty, but because of someone else's actions, I am no longer responsible. Okay. And so we live in a, a time and place where yeah, I think this is probably why people who have chosen the occupation of being a lawyer, uh, you know, <laughs> litigators, they're, you know, it's such a big business now is because people who are totally, uh, should be responsible for themselves are desperately trying to find a way that someone else will be held accountable for it. Maybe accountability is a better word than what I was saying before, but, you know, responsibility and liability, the difference there is a matter of accountability okay. from, from my understanding. And so as a Christian, it doesn't matter if I'm smart enough to wiggle out of something and pin it on someone else. Right. What it comes down to is my willingness to accept my own error and mm-hmm. my own shortcomings and mm-hmm. perhaps my own sin and then make myself better. And, you know, if we, you know, as Christians, when we come back to looking at Christ, he's the only one who's ever truly not been responsible, not been accountable for the sins of other, or for, for the world's sins, for anyone's sins. Yeah. He had no sins. Right. He was truly the only one ever truly clean. And yet he took on the liability and the accountability of the entire world. Mm-hmm. And so for me to try to put off my own accountability onto others um, is denying and rejecting the example that Christ gave. And that goes all the way down. You asked about kids, and it goes all the way down. Mm-hmm. We see that. That's one of the ways that we should not be like children. <laughs> it's not trying to pass off blame, not trying to pass off our responsibilities on others. That is a, a peculiar child who, when they're told to do something that they have liability for not doing, says, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and does it. Mm-hmm. People kind of look shocked. Whoa, what have you done to them to make yeah. them be like that? Yeah. Well, that's them accepting the responsibility of life maturing. And for all you kids out there, do your chores. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it comes back too, though, to you know, the child who, whenever they haven't done something they're supposed to, they come and they try to make that right. Not because they were caught, but they recognize, you know, from their innocence and from their, their sense of duty that they've been taught. Um, they come forward and they recognize that they did or didn't, or that they did not do something that they were supposed to do, and so they try to make that right. Okay. Well, do you have, uh, m- maybe for the sake of time, let's do one or two more. Okay. Another one that I think makes us seem very strange is uh, a willingness to listen. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, here I am sitting in front of a microphone <laughs> telling people to listen. Right. You've talked but... way more than I have in this. <laughs> <laughs> but when we're sitting with someone... Or when we're approached by someone, um, in many ways, we're expected to be ready to lash out or be ready to have an answer. Now, the Bible itself tells us that we should be able to answer for our faith and be right. ready to do that. Right. But the way that we choose to do that, I think, has uh, the potential to make a very real and clear statement to people about why we are different 
um, you know, you can go on, not even go online. You can you can have it just thrown at you how people are so aggressive. And it's right. not about, and the thing that strikes me the most these days when I, I witness conversations between people, it's not a conversation because a conversation suggests that you are listening and mm-hmm. accepting and then responding. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's just Waiting. like a gun battle. Yeah, right. it's a gun battle. I'm not going to receive your bullets and then shoot back. I'm just, I'm, I'm shooting away. And, um, you know, the headings I see on various videos and, and conversations, it's, you know, host dismantles, host right. destroys, guest obliterates, <laughs> you know, and that's not a conversation. Right. So, but that's what people are consuming these days. And so when we accept someone's criticism, when we listen, um, whenever we are able to say, you know what? That is a great point. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's a great question. And demonstrating not only that we're hearing them, but that we're really listening. That is increasingly peculiar. And I think it's the quality of someone who um, is trying to be like Christ. Christ did the same thing. And yes, he talked. He talked with, he spoke with authority, but he also listened to right. people. Right. I want to, I want to, I want to talk, Bradley. I want to respond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to share with you Proverbs. I think it's 20 verse five that the understanding of a man is like a deep well, but if you are a man of wisdom, then you will draw it out, mm-hmm. right? And I have come to learn in my years serving as an evangelist that the most effective type of Bible study with the non-believer is to listen as well as share the gospel truth. I believe with all my heart that the good news of Jesus is the way, the only way to go to heaven. But when I sat with, I've sat with Buddhists, I've sat with uh, Hindus, um, I've sat with atheists. If I don't know where they're coming from, and all I'm doing is slinging scriptures, mm-hmm. that scripture may be ineffective if they're, you know, the kind of soil that's the hardened path right, yeah. that the seed just falls on and the birds snatch it up. I need to be able to cultivate that mm-hmm. soil. And so listening to them. It's really hard. It's hard for me. I imagine it's hard for others as well, but it's hard for me to listen and not want to respond as evidence from me responding to you instead of simply listening. (laughs) I'd like to share one more if I can, because you asked about young people earlier, and this might not seem the most fitting for a nine-year-old son, like you mentioned earlier, but certainly for those who are older than that and in in the middle of a a culture and a world that has various expectations for them. Okay. um, You know, we... I grew up, you know, hearing the word and thinking of someone, if I was someone's boyfriend or if someone was my girlfriend, using that terminology suggests some ownership. Mm -hmm. Um, And so whenever I start considering that I belong to them or they belong to me, then there is an expectation from one side or the other that, um, you know, I fulfill the other's expectations, whatever it is. It could be, you know, who pays for dinner. Um, it could be how many times you call each other in a day, right. or whatever. But the Bible makes it clear, and regardless of what you hear in, in, from your friends or whatever you're told, the Bible makes it very clear that we have no ownership over anyone else until we're married. Mm-hmm. And once we are married, we are equally as much theirs as they are ours. Right. And that's true of husband or wife. If right. We're not talking. I'm not talking about. Uh, the the differences in roles. I'm simply talking about ownership. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that the husband and wife belong to each yeah, other. Your equally. body's not your own, right? And so, when we think, the reason my heart goes out to young people is I I remember being a young person and having some of those same uh, 
expectations on me and holding my own expectations on on others. And so especially in relationships and especially when you're looking for someone to spend the rest of your life with, which is the reason you should be in those relationships in the first place. Right. Um, as much as you might not like to think, but as much as you might be convinced that you or you know your companion have an ownership over each other, you don't. Your only expectations for them should be in getting to know one another. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming from a Christian you know, approach, you're wanting to help each other get to heaven. Right. And so especially your bodies do not belong to each other. Amen. You belong to God. And so if you're being compelled or motivated to do things or to allow things to be done to you that should not be done, um, it is absolutely within your prerogative uh, you know, to do like Joseph did, and he got himself out. Right. Flee youthful lust. Right, exactly. We've talked about one of the ways that we're strangers to the world is because Christ bought us. Right, we, I think we said that at the mm-hmm. very beginning. So mm-hmm. here we are full circle. We're talking about uh, being strangers from the world with our bodies, uh, especially for young people who are not married. And I want to share this scripture from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, it says, verse 19, Surely you realize that your body is a temple sanctuary. You have received the Holy Spirit from God. The Holy Spirit is inside you. In the temple sanctuary, you don't belong to yourselves. You were bought you cost something. Mm-hmm. Use your body to give God glory. And that comes at the end of this section that's talking about uh, how they're supposed to flee from sexual sins. Um, you know, we, as married men, you and I can testify that just because you get married, it doesn't mean that sexual sins are going to go away. Right. It may change a little bit, but we still have the duty to flee. But for our young people as well who are in those relationships, uh, we are to flee from sexual sins that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, we were bought with a price. Part of being that stranger that we talked about was that Jesus bought us. This is a very practical way, so Mm -hmm. thank you for that. You know, we've talked about some images this morning of being inside and outside of God's protection and Christ's love and those things. And though God always loves us, he can't accept, you know, whenever we are on the outside. Right. And, um, you know, we've talked about some different pictures that the Bible has of that this morning, but or in our talk, but there's one passage I want to read because it strikes me about just how real this can really be. Um, we can use imagery to talk about sheeps or sheep or, or different things, but um, in Matthew chapter 7, it says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And the reason I read this is because I think there are people who believe that they are close to Christ. Right. And, you know, it says so. There are those who think, I'm good. Jesus is my buddy. You know, and they think think they're, they're within that fold. Right. When in fact... What they're seeing around them is is the outside, mm-hmm. and so it's a warning. And I love ending things on a on a warm fuzzy, but there's just nothing warm and fuzzy about being outside of Christ. Amen. That's right. A sober note to end on, indeed. Um, Matthew seven is a scripture that reminds me that I can't just say I'm in Christ. I have to be in Christ. The way I live, the way that I 
uh, speak, the things that, the way I interact with my friends and my family, it all, it all matters. We have to obey the Lord. Uh, Bradley, thank you for coming on. This conversation was fantastic. I'm Absolutely. grateful for the Bible yeah. study. You know, people send me their notes beforehand, and uh, all notes are different. Some people type them out word for word. Some people send me outlines. So it's always interesting to see how a conversation is going to go based on the notes that I receive. I have really enjoyed this. It's, well, been, me it's, too. it's pumped me up, and I hope that you, as people out there are listening to it, that they will feel excited and uh, maybe motivated to live a life that is a stranger for Christ but not from Christ. Absolutely. So thank you, brother. I want to say thanks again to Brother Bradley for coming on. I'm so thankful for him, for his work, and for uh, the time we've had together. If you would like to contact Bradley, you can email him at bradball01 at gmail.com, and he can share with you in greater detail his work in South Korea, but also would be grateful for the communication, for the prayers, and specifically if you're interested in helping that ministry, please contact him. You can also go to the website. I'm going to plug it every chance I get. It's www.pureandsimplebible.com. I try to make free, high-quality resources for Christians to use in their own ministry, but also their own outreach to others. There are workbooks, videos, handouts, podcasts, all of it you can download absolutely free. Till next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. We're willing. See you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.